Greetings, listeners. On today's podcast, we are going to be addressing the Bible passage of Sodom and Gomorrah. In this topic, we will be discussing sexual assault. We will be touching on topics of rape, torture, and other difficult conversations. This is an important topic to discuss, and it is one that can cause emotional difficulty and emotional pain. Please take care of yourself. If this is not the episode for you, we have an entire library of gentler, kinder topics. Please skip this one. Move on to something else. God loves you. No matter what, it wasn't your fault. And we'll be back in your ears another day. Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Sodom and Gomorrah. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this topic technically falls under an old category of ours called Ask a Lutheran Pastor, Mm. because it's a question from one of Charlie's friends. Basically, what they're trying to figure out is why Sodom and Gomorrah has the reputation that it does with, I'm guessing, not having a lot of background knowledge of the Bible story itself. So let's start with that background. What do we know about Sodom and Gomorrah from the Bible? Excellent. So we know that Sodom and Gomorrah shows up in the Hebrew scriptures, and you'll find this in Genesis chapters 18 and 19. Ooh, way back in Genesis. Way back in Genesis. So we're talking original family. We're looking at Abraham. This is part of his storyline, Abraham and Lot. Okay. So we're way back at the beginning of our story, Hebrew scriptures, and kind of learning who God is and how God is in relation to God's people and learning how God is going to be in relationship with Abraham and this new promise, this new covenant that's been made with Abraham and Abraham's descendants, who do not yet exist. Abraham has not yet had a son. Abraham and Sarah haven't had their kid yet. In fact, Genesis 18 begins with the promise that Abraham and Sarah will have their son. The second part of Genesis 18 is Abraham arguing for the safety of the city of Sodom. Okay. And then we go to chapter 19. So the through line between these two stories is that at the beginning of chapter 18, this story about Abraham receiving this promise Abraham and Sarah are visited by two angels. It is those same two angels that bring the news and the promise of this child to Abraham and Sarah Uh that are then traveling and travel on to the city of Sodom because where they're traveling to, like their entire purpose for this journey that they are on, that they then stop and receive hospitality from Abraham and Sarah And then say, oh, you are blessed by God and you are going to have a son. And Sarah laughs and says, ha, 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 I'm too old to have a baby. You're Mm -hmm. idiots. You don't know anything about how babies are made. So the reason these men are traveling is because 
they have heard that the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, that this city, this place is inhospitable, that it is a place that deserves God's wrath. And so these angels are traveling to this place in order to bring God's wrath to it. Okay. And so they are going to discover if this is true and if it truly is deserving of God's wrath. And the second half of that chapter, Abraham is bargaining with God, saying, really, do you need to destroy an entire city? If You know, what if there are 50 people that are good people in that city? Are you going to destroy an entire city of innocent people? Well, what if there are 45? Mm-hmm. And bargains God all the way down to 10 good people. If there are 10 good people in the city of Sodom, are you going to destroy it? And God promises not to destroy the city of Sodom for the sake of 10 good people. And there are lots of conversations, of course, theologically about why this conversation is shown. But it's this opportunity to show this loving God, this God that will bargain with you, this God that will show compassion, this God that will show forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It will save. Yes. A God who will save for the sake of righteous ones. A God who's not intent on destruction and recognizes that we're in relationship with one another. Mm -hmm. And so this is shown in this moment with Abraham. Then we get to chapter 19. And this is the chapter, of course, that people focus on when we think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Particularly, I think this student's question was about the modern day definition of sodomy Mm -hmm. and why we equate this biblical passage with modern day sodomy and the laws around it in those kinds of pieces. And I am not the kind of historian that can give details on how laws came to be in the United States around this kind of a piece. But I can say that in the scripture, what occurs is these two angels, two travelers, arrive at Sodom. They are in an area where the Hebrew people are not the main culture. Okay. Hebrew people are immigrants. They are the aliens in this culture. Okay. This is important. Lot is the immigrant in this situation. Lot is continuing to live within the Hebrew values. He's continuing to live by the values of hospitality that are expected of him within his theology. And so when these two strangers arrive in town, Lot extends hospitality to them. And the angels are like, no, we're going to stay in the city square because that's in our culture, what we would do, we would stay in the city square. And Lot says, no, 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 please come, please come and stay in my home. You're going to stay in my home because hospitality says you come and stay in my home. And so the angels go to stay in Lot's home. The community of Sodom, the men of the city, all gather at Lot's door, at the door of this stranger, this immigrant, and say, you have guests, you have strangers in this city, send them out to us so we can get to know them. And by get to know them, they mean beat them up. 
Okay. And use and abuse them, which throughout all of history has also often meant sexually assault them. Okay. And so Lot refuses to send his guests out to the people of the city. Lot says, no, don't be so wicked. Please, people of my my new home, don't be so wicked. Here, feminists, be ready to be angry. Here, I have two daughters who haven't known a man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Wow. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. And the townsmen say, stand back. This guy isn't from here either. We're going to judge him even worse. We're going to deal worse with you than even with them. And then the angels reach out of the door. They grab Lot. They bring him back in. And they shut the door. Then they strike all of the men who are at the door of the house with blindness so that they can't find the door. At that point, the decision is made that this city will be destroyed. That there are not 10 righteous men within this city and that it will be destroyed. And the story goes on to tell of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and how it is destroyed. This story is not about sexual intercourse. This story is about strangers and immigration and welcoming strangers and power over. This story is about how do we welcome the alien in our midst? How do we manage immigration? How do we welcome the stranger? How do we do things to people's bodies in order to show domination over them? That's what this story is about. Even with it not being about sexual abuse, there's a lot to unpack in this story. Well, and sexual abuse is a part of it. Let's not get that wrong. But there's a vast difference between sexual abuse and consensual adults engaging in activities of pleasure and consent, Mm -hmm. right? There's a vast difference between those things. And so that's, I think, a major part of what is completely misconstrued in conversations is that we are not in any way, shape, or form discussing consenting adults in this situation. No. We're discussing intent to cause harm. We are discussing an entire city of people who are seeking to cause intentional inhospitality to traveling strangers. We are actively trying to make someone from another country know they are unwelcome. That is what is being punished here. I'm curious why Abraham was attempting to argue for Sodom and Gomorrah, or was Abraham just unaware of what that culture was? It's a great question. And I think that 
it would be a wonderful question to take up with the wisdom of rabbis. Sure. To say, you know, what purpose does it serve to show Abraham this early in Abraham's relationship with God, having that kind of a bargaining relationship? If it was just wishful thinking. Or just that instead of having God be so far away and so big, it's kind of like back in that, I don't know, however many years ago we did the podcast episodes on the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And I talked about how shocked I was that the French translation of the Psalms uses the familiar version of you for God Mm -hmm. instead of the formal you. This is showing a familiarity with God. This argument, this bargaining shows this familiarity with God that Abraham has. And it establishes this kind of familiarity and bargaining that Abraham has with God that is important, that sets a particular timbre, I think, for Abraham's relationship and the covenantal relationship going forward. I think that's important. And I think it doesn't have as much bearing on the actual city itself. Is this something that gets read out as part of the lectionary? Nope. No? No, I have never. Which is fascinating to me because it comes up, right? We all sort of have that pop culture association. Yeah. And it's used, it's one of those Bible bullets, right? Sure. It is used as this touch point to make people think what you want them to think in an argument, but we don't actually sit down and read the story and think about what it's actually about. We think that it's about a town wanting to sexually assault men, or we think it's about a whole town of gay men. It's not at all about a town of gay men. It really is not. It's about a town of people wanting to have power over strangers and immigrants that has nothing to do with sexual orientation. And I will say this, that there are plenty of individuals who their sexuality, they would define as one thing, but when they are showing power over or when they are engaging in intentionally harmful behavior of others would absolutely harm another being of the same gender in a way that they would not engage in consensually. But because it's about power and because it's about torture and because it's about power over or engaging in war or engaging in something when you're in a situation beyond what you normally would be in, I think the decisions we make at that time are different. And We can say we're naive about that, or we can face that head on and say that human beings make very dark, harmful, cruel, destructive decisions. And that is part of what is being addressed here. It's not about loving sexual orientation and consent. This is about torture, rape, Assault and power over. Fascinating. Okay, the other part of this that keeps running through my head is I spent a lot of time back in my hometown, which has a lot of immigrants. 
And one of the major complaints from the people that have lived there, quote unquote, forever, Mm -hmm. is that these people aren't learning the language and assimilating in the same way, Mm -hmm. which puts an interesting spin on this. Do you really want to assimilate into a culture that is that, right? And this moment, which I hadn't read this in quite some time, and I hadn't read it since I had been doing some of the immigration advocacy that I've done. And this moment when they tell Lot, this fellow came here as an alien and he would play the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. This verse, it's verse nine, chapter 19, verse nine. Like we looked at you like we accepted you enough. But then Mm -hmm. the moment that you stand against us and don't let us do what we want, like, hey, look, you really aren't from here Mm -hmm. and you're judging us. We're going to do even worse to you now, buddy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that thing, like, do you choose to assimilate? Do you not choose to assimilate? What do you choose to hold on to? We don't even have the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that's farther along in our scriptures where they have this, are they going to bow down to the trumpets and the lyre and the harp? Are they going to bow down to the king or are they going to hold on to their own worship of their own God, Mm -hmm. right? Like here Lot is standing in the gap and holding on to his own choice of being a follower of his God and now he's going to get it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's another interesting twist in the entire story. It is. It is. And of course, we can't escape this whole offering of his daughters. No, as much as we kind of want to gloss over. Uh Uh-huh. They're not actually put outside, I don't think. But he totally offers them. Totally offers them. What's fascinating is is that later in the story, they're the only ones who survive with him. It's his two daughters and Lot. Is it fascinating or is it everybody who's reading the story going, well, thank God something good comes out of here? But it doesn't. I mean, this whole story is just utter tragedy, right? So Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. The angels try to tell Lot, gather your family, gather any everyone and get them ready to go. We're going to destroy this family. And Lot kind of doesn't believe them. The son-in-laws to be don't believe. And the son-in-laws think that they're jesting. So the angels just gather Lot and his wife and his two daughters and get them out of the town. And as they're going, this is where... The wife turns around and looks back Mm -hmm. and she turns into a pillar of salt. Mm -hmm. Which is the other part of this story most people may have heard of, even if they haven't been to church or gotten it that way. And not known that this is the same connection Mm -hmm. point, right? And let's wonder, I mean, that's another whole section we could wonder about. What have these women been through? I'm not sure my heart can take wondering what these women have been through. (laughs) Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that Dr. Sweet kind of took us to is, here's Lot's wife. She turns around. She looks backwards instead of looking forwards. And she's turned into a pillar of salt. When you look back on your life and you cannot move forward, sometimes grief takes you. All you are left with is your tears. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
So there is this kind of wondering about, is she just so overwhelmed with grief that she can't move forward, but she becomes this pillar of salt. She becomes this grief stricken individual. And I think for me, where my brain goes is to say the men in that city were about power over, but we never heard any of the women's voices in this story. Fascinating. And we have no idea what the women of these cities were like, who lived among and with, and some of them would have been just as power vicious. We cannot be so naive as to think that women are not complacent or complicit Mm -hmm. within systems of power. And there would have been some who would not have been and who were trapped. And I wonder if Lot's wife would have turned back and seen the destruction knowing those who would have been caught. So she is lost. The daughters and Lot go to a small town, Zor, outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're living in a little cave outside of there because they're afraid. They have been through so much trauma. They're in this little cave, but they don't want their lineage to end. And so the daughters get their dad drunk and they each sleep with their dad and get pregnant. You know, every time I think this story can't get any worse, you Mm -hmm. throw something at me. It is tragic, right? And that is where the Moabites and the Ammonites come from. Because the firstborn bore a son and names him Moab, and the younger bears a son and names him Ben-Ami, and he is the ancestors of the Ammonites. And so they can trace back towards Abraham and Lot, but through this broken, tragic moment. And again, it's not that moment that people that our laws, right? I know, I know. Of all the bits in this story, the fact that we focus on that one bit that gets us to our modern day understanding of sodomy is kind Mm -hmm. of blowing my mind. Mm -hmm. And is kind of, to me, indicative of the way the patriarchy is the way it is because of its insistence that somehow the story of the men is more important than whatever has been done to the women, maybe? I don't know. Maybe, or that this is where the story gets told. This is the lens that gets told through. That's a wild one. It is hard. Yes, it is. It is a hard story. In some ways, it is easier to say that this is about a minority group that we're seeking to control rather than this is about a majority a group trying to control a minority group. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I think so. So the story is about a majority group, the large city of Sodom, trying to control this minority group, these immigrants, Mm -hmm. and destroying their lives and causing incredible shame and pain. But it's so much easier to make this about queer people trying to live their lives and to say it's to their shame Rather than say, this is about an entire city of brokenness trying to have power over immigrants that causes intense pain. 
instead of being a place of welcoming the neighbor and the alien, which is who God wants us to be. Because if we said that, Mm -hmm. then we would all have to actually look at ourselves and change the way that we lived. So we can't have that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. That's going to lead me to my last question, which was originally going to be, is there any way to redeem the reputation of Sodom and Gomorrah? But I'm well beyond that. (laughs) My question to you is, when you are asked about this in any given situation, what is the way that you want to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah going forward? When I am asked about this, I know that very few people are actually asking about this story. The story itself. Yeah. Because we don't usually actually know this story. Sure. We know the story that we've told ourselves about this story. And we know the pop culture version of it. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to make a point about something. We're not trying to tell this story. And so when I'm asked about it, I usually start asking questions. Sure. To try and find out what's actually going on. What's the question under the question? And what is the wondering behind the question? And where are we actually going with the conversation? Because you don't actually want to talk to me about Abraham's conversation with God. You don't really want to talk to me about angels traveling and immigrant status, immigrant status and welcoming the neighbor and right. Like, Mm -hmm. or how human beings can involve themselves in war crimes in situations of mass hysteria. Those are not the conversations you're looking to have with me. You're looking to have different conversations with me about your discomfort around sex and sexuality or your discomfort with modern exploration of the freedom to love or modern understanding of equalities that haven't existed through all of the centuries. And so I'm willing to have those conversations, but not using stories that don't actually talk about those things. Interesting. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Sodom and Gomorrah. I look forward to sitting down with you on a slightly lighter topic some other time. (laughs) Indeed. And if this story has brought up difficult topics for you, please know that there are incredible professionals out there to help you have conversations to dig through some of what this brings up or to have conversations about what you are learning please reach out, use the resources around you. And if you need help finding some, you can reach out to me and I'm willing to have a conversation or two to help you find some resources. I can be reached at pastor at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.